Well, welcome back to Ignite, and I want to pick up on this subject of you are in full-time ministry, and you are, whether you know it or not. You know, all of us are witnesses. Some of us are witnesses for the prosecution, okay? We are witnesses. Everything you do, everything you do and say, from the moment you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed, everything you do and say throughout the day is moving everybody watching you closer or further away from God. You can't get away from that. Uh, you you can't. I mean, you can say, I'm going to be a witness today. Well, you're going to be a witness today one way or the other. So uh, keep that in mind first, okay? But um, when you understand that, you realize that there are no coincidences, that God is right there with you. He never leaves you or forsakes you. He's always right there. And, and, and to think that there's no coincidences, I mean, to think that there are coincidences would say that um, some things happen outside the purview of God that he wasn't in that. Oh, my golly gee. You know, I, wow, I am so lucky. <laughs> that just worked out. I just went there and it just worked out just perfect. You know, I, you know, and I heard this thing. What a coincidence. I heard the pastor say this and I heard on the radio. What a coincidence. When those kind of things happen, listen up because God's speaking to you. There are no coincidences. And when something odd's starting to happen, I got to tell you, when you, once you understand this concept, when something odd starts to happen, um, you can pretty well figure out that God's up to something. He's up to something. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I, I looked up the, uh, the uh, definition of coincidences, and, and it, it said um, a, a remarkable concurrence of events or circumstances that have no apparent connection with one another, okay? No apparent connection. But God, no apparent connection. You don't think those things have anything? Most mostly we don't. If you're not sensitive, if you're not, if you're not realizing you're in full-time ministry, if you're not realizing that everything's happening, you're, I mean, it changes everything in your life, folks. This thing of sharing your faith, it seems so mundane. It seems like it's for somebody else and I don't have the talent, I don't have the knowledge. We have all these excuses. That's all they are is excuses. But God said in Isaiah 43, he said, I've appointed you as my witness so that you will believe. And you'll believe it when you connect the dots, when you see these are not, con these are not uh, coincidences. They are God's intervening in your life and setting up opportunities for you. And it changes everything, okay? It just changes everything. Uh, this whole thing of loving our neighbors as ourselves. You know, Jesus was asked, what's, what's the most important commandment? And he said, love me. Not just love him. Love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when you do that, you automatically love your neighbors as yourself. A brand new Christian, you can't stop a brand new Christian that's made God their first love. You can't stop them from sharing their faith. And that's how God wants you to live your life every day of your life. When you love your neighbors as yourself, you're as concerned for their salvation as you are your own. And so wherever you go, everywhere you go, you know, most people are lost. Think about wherever you go, you're in the store, you're in a waiting room, you're on an airplane. I go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, I've only missed four Rose Bowl games since 1949. And every year when it starts, 99,000 people and and everybody's yelling and they're for their team and they got their beers and their, you know, all this stuff. And I think back to Jesus when he, when he was on the donkey going to Jerusalem and he, and he wept. And I don't totally understand what all was going through his mind, but 
I need you to that a little bit, particularly at that moment, because I look out and I know that 80% of those people are on their way to hell. They're on their way to hell. They don't know it. And how are they going to know unless somebody tells them? We, we got to get busy, okay? And when we do that, then God uses our lives every moment of every day. And when we, when we, when we do that, we're living for God's purpose. Uh, the most used scripture I use, you'll hear me, I'll probably put it in 99% of all of our podcasts, but it's this Romans 8, 28, one of the most known and most, most absolutely most misunderstood scriptures of the whole Bible. Oh, all things work together for good. Well, God, I get, that must be for somebody else, not for me, because it ain't working together for good for me. And it hasn't for a long time. Um, either you just do it for other people. I haven't achieved that yet. I'm not good enough for that. Or maybe the scripture isn't true. Maybe I can trust you. Maybe I can't. Um, it's because from the pulpits, we just hear the first part of that scripture. What I'm telling you right now, in my 80 years of going to church, almost every Sunday for 80 years and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and whatever, when we had those kinds of services, and I heard servants preach so often on this scripture, but they just quote the first part. All things work together for good. I've asked, I've asked hundreds of Christians, quote that verse, and about three-fourths of them get this, uh, for those who love God. Almost nobody quotes that last part, which is the most important part. Yeah, now, if, if pastors, if you're, you're listening to me right now, I, I, I can't imagine being a pastor and not repeating this every single time I'm in the pulpit. Because it goes on to say, uh, for those who live for my purpose. There's no, there's no confusion about what God's purpose is. He came to seek and save the lost. I talk to so many people, I'm trying to find God's purpose. <laughs> it's not about your purpose. <laughs> There's only one purpose. It's God's purpose, to seek and save the lost. He has a plan for your life, much different than a plan for my life, how we do that. But make no mistake, He has a plan for your life, how you can live for His purpose, to seek and save the lost, to move everybody every day closer to Jesus, okay? And Romans 8, 28 says, when you love me and live for my purpose, I tell you, I promise you, from now until you get to heaven, John 3, 16 is the most important scripture, but I can't find a one that's second to it more than this one. From now until you get to heaven, I'm going to make everything in your life work together for good. That's everything. That's the little things. That's the bad things. There are no, there are no coincidences. I have so many life stories. Just thinking of this story, I, I was just pondering this morning. Actually, I mean, I have so many stories. I get, I'll tell you a few. I got a million of them. Um, Karen and I moved to Detroit when we were first married. Our our business uh, uh, was all over the country, but it was our biggest customer was Buick Motor Division, and we lost our rep in Detroit, and uh, we needed a new rep. And I sold the family on the concept that Karen and I would move to Detroit. And quite frankly, there was about. 12 people in our little family business, all relatives, and it was, it was a bit stifling, and I wanted to break out and get out of that and do something extraordinary. So we moved back there. We found a pastor. We knew the pastor of the church back there, and he took us out. We'd start looking for homes. I'll just speed it up real quick. We found a brand-new neighborhood, perfectly situated, and he helped us find it. We actually bought the first house in that neighborhood, okay? 
houses. When that neighborhood filled up, we were, ended up being the only Gentiles in that neighborhood. <laughs> it was a Jewish neighborhood, and we're the we're the neighborhood Gentiles, and they loved on us and loved on us, and they, everybody had a cousin or somebody could get us our sod, our storm windows, or whatever. And we were the young married couple, and we didn't know what we were doing, and we didn't know you need anything about storm windows, those kind of things. And they came out and just loved on us, and we became close friends, and and we began to understand their culture and and their humor. And there, everything, I mean, I, I start to feel like I, I think I'm Jewish. I really love these people, you know. I had no idea we are going into retail at that point. That was 1965. I went, went into retail in 1973. God's inspiring me to do that. And particularly at that time, when you called on retail, it was almost an entirely Jewish world. And had I not known the Jewish culture and their humor and, and what, what excited them and, and what offended them. Had I not known that, I could have made a whole bunch of mistakes, okay? But as it happened, I walked in and I felt like home. <laughs> and even the, there were some abrupt things that were said to me and I, I, they, they were loving me. They were just trying to correct this young kid to know what he's doing. It was so perfect. Was that a coincidence? Uh, no, it wasn't. God was directing Karen and my steps in 1965 for our world in retail, which started um, eight years later, in 1973. I, I, I felt God was leading us into the retail business, but I didn't know anything about it. I finally tell you, the family is all against me. We're a professional brand. We sell car dealers and body shops. We don't want to be in that Jippo discount business. And somehow I managed to convince them uh, with, with, the, with the truth that car guys are like professionals. They're just like us. They, they want the same kind of results. we we achieve and, and, and they don't care about price. They'll follow our directions, they'll do everything. They're our kind of guys, I just want to sell them. And they, reluctantly, they let me go and I got the approval and then I walked out of that board meeting not having a clue about retail. <laughs> I just didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue. I didn't, I didn't know the first thing about it. And I said, God, you know, I just gotta have to trust you in this. You've gotta bring me the knowledge. I was in a waiting room down in Dallas, Texas, and uh, walked in, sat next to a guy about, I don't know, maybe 15 years, my senior, 20 years perhaps, his name was Craig Benson. And we had a nice conversation. Then uh, when, you're, when you're a traveling salesman, you go in these boiler rooms where you, all the buyer, all the uh, sellers, all the traveling sellers are in this room, and then uh, the buyer calls, different buyers call each one of us in at a different time. So he went to his buyer and I went to mine, and we said goodbye. <clears throat> Two weeks later, that was Dallas, okay, two weeks later, I'm in Seattle, and I walk into a waiting room, and there's this same guy. Same guy. <laughs> what are the odds? So we started talking, he said, so tell me about your business. I said, well, I'm trying to get into retail. I, I have this great product, it's the best product in the world, but um, I don't know anything about retail, and so I'm struggling with that a little bit. He said, oh, I can help you with that. I said, um, I, how so, you know? <laughs> Turns out he's the general partner, one of the general partners of the largest ad agency in the United States at that time. He's, where do you live? And I told him and we ended up, we live, we met in Dallas and Seattle, but he lives about 10 miles away from me. <laughs> I'm in Irvine and he's in Newport Beach. And he said, well, let's get, I said, you know, I appreciate, I, I have no money. <laughs> I can't afford you. He said, well, let's get together for a conversation. Let's have lunch. I said, okay, so we had lunch and he said, you really need help. I said, yeah, I do. He says, well, 
Uh, how about I come over to your house next week on a night? Let's pick Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday night, whatever. I forget. One Wednesday night I was in church. So, uh, so he would come over. He started coming over once a week and spending an hour or two with me and gave me a full education, like a, like a master's degree education on the retail market and, and design and what I look for in discount structures and marketing and how strong your ad is and your product and all this stuff. I got a, and God just brought him into my life. Was it a coincidence that I met him <laughs> in Dallas and then Seattle? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I got a million stories like that. You know, you, you're driving along, you're caught in traffic, you're late for an appointment, all of a sudden you have a flat tire. You can say, really, God? I mean, can you know, what's, where are you when I need you, you know? And then you realize God's in it, and the AAA guy comes, and he's in a mess personally, and you get to minister to him, and, and God gives you the right words. Yes! You get back to your car, you make the call, and you find out that appointment was canceled anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, this is the way God works, you know. Um, a couple others right quick. There are no coincidences. Okay, so Karen and I are flying to Manchester, New Hampshire, to go on a car rally with some really close friends of ours up in New England in the, in the fall. And we get hung up in Chicago, easy to do. And um, we end up being the last flight that comes in, lands in Manchester, okay? And not only were we the last flight, but all the bags came off the plane and our, <laughs> our bags weren't there. Finally, after a long pause, and we had almost given up, we said, God, we know our bags are gonna be there. Our two, the last two bags, you know, you've probably had that happen sometime. Two bags come off. So we walk out to get in a car. We've got a car organized. We walk out there, he's not there. <laughs> Um, hmm. So I, I call the, the guy that organizes our cars. He said, I've been trying to reach you, Mr. McGuire. We can't find our driver. We've been calling him for the last two hours. We can't find our driver. Really? Yeah. He says, so hang in there. We'll, we'll keep trying to find somebody. But now it's, um, it's right about one o'clock, okay, in the morning. And I get on the phone and all of a sudden we hear the airport is now closed. <laughs> And we were so focused on what this phone call was, we had not looked around, and uh, the lights go boom, and they're out at the airport. The doors are locked, and there's not a soul. We were so focused, and we looked around. There's not one per There's not one car. Not one person. It's deserted. A very large airport. The big sweeping horseshoe. Not one person there. It's one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> But Karen and I had been through this so many times. And so we laughed. And Karen says, I wonder what he's up to now, meaning God. And I said, yeah, you know, he must have somebody for us to talk to. So um, finally, my, my secretary, Kathy, calls me. She says, I found somebody. He, he had a ride up. He took some folks up to Boston. He's deadheading back. He lives in your area. He lives in, in the uh, Manchester area. And he's heading your way. He'll pick you up. So it's funny, while we were waiting, we were laughing, we were relaxed, we, did, we didn't know what God was up to, we knew we were going to be fine. We were wondering, I mean, we talked about, well, when you live in this world, it's like God's always there, so that there's nothing to get upset about. There's no bad news, God's in the bad news. In fact, he's more in the bad news than the good news sometimes. And I joke with Karen and say, hey, guess what? There's two benches here. There's one for each of us. And it was warm that night, so that we wouldn't have been cold. She said, oh, okay, that, that works for me. My wife has been with me through this, so we share this experience together. It's, it's, it's freedom, folks. 
when you're when you when you're in the business, when you're in the life, when you're committed to moving everybody every day closer to Jesus, you live in the favor of God. You live in in the fog, I call it, the favor of God, where you just know there are no coincidences, that everything's happening for a purpose. And finally, this gentleman came by and he picked us up and we we're driving down the road and, and he says, well, what was going in your, what was going through your mind? <laughs> I said, funny you should ask. And I tell you, we just figured there must be somebody that uh, needs to know more about Jesus, needs to be brought closer to God. He said, that's amazing. I said, what? He said, my life is a wreck. I'm having all kinds of problems. I haven't been in church for years. And I just praying to God the last couple, several days, I need to get back to you, God. I need to get into church. I need to talk to somebody. And I'm picking you up at two o'clock in the morning. We drove for the next hour. And that ride seemed like about 10 minutes. We had so much fun. We got out, we prayed with him, loved on him. And when we walked into our bedroom, we're, in, we're getting into our bedroom about three o'clock, you know. <laughs> Instead of being exhausted and worn out and upset or whatever, we were just praising God. We were so excited we could hardly go to sleep. That was not a coincidence that all those things happen in a row. You think they're not related or we got hung up in Chicago. What's that have to do with uh, getting in the late or what's that have to do with our bags being the last bags off and all that stuff. You, you follow my, my drift. But it, every day is an adventure. There, there is no bad news. I gotta tell you, there's no bad news. There's, there's no coincidence. When you see bad things happen, look up and say, okay, God, what are you up to? Because you know he's into it. And he's gonna turn the bad news into good news, no matter what it is. And the key for all that is moving everybody every day closer to Jesus. See you next time.